0: And we're going to look at verses 7 through 12. I'm going to read these verses, then pray. Give you a second to get there. So verses 7 through 12. As a context here is just Paul writing and reminding the Galatians that it's for freedom that Christ has set them free. That's verse 1 of chapter 5. And so now verse 7, he goes on to say this. You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view than mine. And the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. But if I, brothers, still preach circumcision... Why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for speaking to us. and We thank you for revealing yourself to us. And we would ask that you pour out your spirit and you would soften our hearts that this word would find its way into our souls and it would bear a lot of fruit, a lot of fruit. Lord, you would help us to keep our eyes set on Jesus Christ, to stay focused on Christ, to help us pick up our cross and follow you with our hope in Jesus Christ alone For our salvation. That Lord we would run this race of faith so to speak. With great endurance. Together. Building one another up. Encouraging one another. As we just continue to run. Or as we continue to wait for this final day. When Lord Jesus you come back. And you usher in the new heavens and the new earth. Lord we long We long for this day, but as we wait, we ask that you would help us, that you would pour out your Spirit upon us and enable us to do it in such a way that we would run well. Looking to you, Jesus, for everything. So, Lord, please bless us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Speaking of running, I've... uh, run one marathon in my life. And so there was a season where my wife got me into running. And then, if you know anything about my wife, she she likes challenges. It's not just sort of let's run. It's got to be let's run this race, and then let's run this race, and then let's do this. And I love this about her. And so uh, somewhere along this running journey, I signed up to run a marathon. And when I signed up to run this marathon, my goal was – to finish it and also to finish it in under three and a half hours. And so I had been running a lot, building up to this 26.2 mile race, uh, putting together a program. A friend of ours uh, put together this program. And so I I tried my best to diligently uh, follow this training program, knowing that Uh, The actual marathon itself was going to be a little bit grueling, and there's certain goals I wanted to get to. And so I'd say, for the most part, I was faithful to do the training that was needed to prepare for this race and then to run this race. And so uh, on the day of the race, I was ready. I got up, and I was uh, at the starting line with a couple friends and started to run this race, and I felt really, really good. At the halfway point, still feeling decent. And then with about probably 10 miles to go, my body started to say something else. Started to sort of shut down in, in different ways. And one of the things I've always wrestled with um, since I was younger is I always get cramps. Just cramp a lot in my legs, my muscles, doesn't matter what I'm doing. Just cramps up uh, and it sort of shuts me down. And so for the last 10 miles, I was experiencing these cramps. And, and my run slowly started to become a jog. And then it's just this mental game the whole time of like, are you going to finish? Can you finish? Should you stop? You should stop. Just stop right now. It'll be okay. And so the the jog at times became a walk. And then even in those moments, all I wanted to do was just quit. And the only reason I didn't quit is because I knew I wanted to finish this thing. And then people who are passing me at the time were just saying, come on, you can do this. And there's other people find themselves in the same predicament I was. And so eventually I did finish the race, but I did not meet my goal. I missed it by quite a few minutes. But there were a lot of moments where I wanted to quit. You could say that I started this race well but I did not finish it well. My question for you is, has anything like this ever happened to you? Have you ever started something but didn't finish it? Or maybe you started it and sort of just limped along and didn't really do what you wanted to do in the way that you wanted to do it. Maybe you started a budget as a family and you started off just really excited to kind of Put everything in place, and everything had their little categories, and and you did it for a couple of months, and then now as you look back, you just think, where'd that budget go? Or this one? Maybe you bought a couple books, and you kind of opened them up, and you you did this little thing, you had one of these, and and you put it in there, and you put it aside, and and that book is still sitting on your shelf, and you haven't finished it. Anybody got one of those? A couple books somewhere in your house that you started but you didn't finish. See, it can be easy, I think, at times. I'm not saying it is easy to always start something, but it can be easy sometimes to start something. But finishing, and finishing well, is a whole different story. The Galatians at the time that Paul was writing this letter to them were in the middle of their race of faith, trusting in Jesus Christ and picking up a cross and following him and What we see here is that they they started well, but they're not running well right now. Some of them might not even be running at all at the time Paul was writing this letter. And so they started out strong in their faith, trusting in Jesus alone for their salvation, enjoying the freedom that Christ purchased for them through his life and death on the cross for all of their sins, his blood being poured out so that they would be set free from the law and set free from the power of sin. And so they started out believing that and enjoying this freedom. But false teachers crept into their lives and into their church, and these men were leading them astray. These men were putting obstacles in front of them, making the race that they were called to run by faith alone in Jesus Christ alone a little bit difficult. So much so that you might say they're not even running the race, meaning they're not on the right path. So they might be running, but... They're running in the wrong direction as they're seeking to add to the gospel or in some ways stop believing in Christ and starting to believe in something else that doesn't actually save them. And so they've started well, but they're not running well at the time he was writing this. In this section of scripture, we see Paul's concern for the Galatians though. And I would say, and his concern for us, or God's concern for all believers, that we would start this race well, and we would run this race well, and we would finish this race of faith well. Paul's concerned that they wouldn't just be okay with how they started, but that they would continue to run the race with the same faith, trusting in Jesus Christ for every leg of this race of faith that they're called to run and that they would finish well. This isn't just something for the Galatians. This is something I think God wants us to think about and be aware of as well. Because it's not just a Galatian temptation to start something or to start running this race well and not continue to run well. It's something that we all experience a real temptation for all believers to start out well, but maybe not finish well. Somewhere along the journey of faith, stumbling by buying into false teaching or listening to a false teacher or just being distracted by the things of this world or making room for a little bit of sin to remain in our lives hidden, thinking that it will have zero effect But in the end, it just shows up. It shows up and it looks like drifting away from the gospel. And so we want to run well. We all know somebody who's probably fallen away as well. Somebody who started well, but stopped running. I mean, I did just a, a Google search this morning when I was reviewing my notes. And I was just thinking, I googled pastors who are no longer Christians. And a whole list came up of just modern guys whom you would know, whom you've probably listened to at some point, because a lot of these guys are celebrity pastors. They've written books at times, and and we've benefited from their teachings at a certain point. But but under this heading, it, it would kind of say, this is who they are, this is what they've written, and now this is what they have to say about Jesus. And most of them would say, I am no longer a Christian. And so you would say these guys started well, but they stopped running. And if they continue down the path this way, what we're going to say is they didn't finish well. And so it's it's important for us to start well. It's important for us to continue to run well or to continue to believe in Christ so that we might finish well. That's Paul's concern in writing this letter. That's the danger of false teachers is that they, they stop us, they tempt us by moving us away from believing in Jesus Christ into something else that changed the way we think, that inevitably changes the way in which we live. And we find ourselves in the place where the Galatians were. They were hindered in their faith. See, Jesus sort of... He, He taught about this in the parable of the sower. And so Matthew 13, he kind of describes this parable and he gives us some insight into understanding what happens when, when the gospel is sown into people, and it looks like they start well. It looks like they're actually believing in Jesus, but, but for some reason it doesn't stick, or it really doesn't make a long-lasting impact upon their lives. And so he goes on to describe what sowing the gospel into people's lives is like, and the effects of it. He writes the following, Matthew 13. Matthew writes what Jesus said, Here then, the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, in another thirty. So what we learn from this, this is just a brief overview, is that it appears that those who start well in the faith but don't end well in the faith are rootless. They're rootless. They they aren't truly rooted and grounded in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Therefore, when troubles come their way or the allurement of the world entices them with its lies and momentary pleasures, their faith is choked out. Paul was very concerned that this was happening to some of the Galatians. They had gotten off to this really good start, but something was hindering them from continuing to run the race well. And some of them were even in danger of getting a DNF. That's just a did not finish for those who play sports and things like that. But I say this because perhaps this is where some of us are this morning. I want you just to think about your faith at the moment. Think about your passion for Jesus Christ, where, where, where is it at? How would you evaluate your love for Jesus Christ? Is it growing? Is your zeal increasing? Is it at that level when you first believe? Maybe you find yourself doubting the reality of Jesus and asking yourself, is it really worth it to trust in him and pick up a cross, deny myself, and follow him? Maybe the world has just captured your attention so much that you're running after the things of this world and you're really ignoring the things of God. So how is your faith in Jesus this morning? Is it growing? Or has something else captured your attention? Something else made its way into your life, making it difficult for you to believe in Christ? If so, what is it? Is it the world? Is it false teaching? Is it your sin? Paul teaches us that the Christian life is like a race. It has a beginning. We call it conversion. It has a middle part. I just call this life. It has a finish line called final judgment. And it has a prize called eternal life. All of us are running this race. But the question this morning is how well are we running this race? How well are we running this race? Are we trusting in Jesus Christ? Do we have our eyes set on him? Is our hope firmly planted in him? Or have we slowed down? Have we looked to something else? Maybe we've thought about giving up. What we're going to learn this morning from our text is this. The Christian life is a race that we're called to run by faith in Jesus Christ alone so that we might run this race with endurance, obeying the truth, and finishing well. We're going to explore this truth by looking at two points. And just so you know, the first point is long, and the second point is really just a couple sentences. So don't don't be thinking when I get done with one, man, how long is this thing going to go? The second one is very short. So our first point is this. There will be hindrances to our faith in Jesus that we will need to identify and get rid of there will be hindrances to our faith that we will need to identify and get rid of verse 7 paul again writes the following you were running well he's a little fired up in this letter you got to know this but if you read through he's fired especially that that last verse 12 you can see he's he's worked up because he doesn't like people who mess with god's people he doesn't like false teachers who teach false doctrine that lead people away from Christ. And so he said, you're running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. So the Galatians were not running as hard as they once did in the truth of the gospel. They were hindered by these false teachers from obeying the truth. They stopped trusting in God's grace alone for their salvation. And they started to buy into this false teaching, believing that if they were circumcised, believing that if they just obeyed the law of Moses, that then they would be truly accepted by God. So it wasn't just about Jesus for the false teachers. It was about these Galatians becoming like Jews. Or working off their salvation and their right standing with God. And so Paul asked them this question. Who hindered you from obeying this truth? And he's already identified these false teachers as the Judaizers earlier in this letter. He's already exposed their lies to them. The thing is he wants the Galatians to see it. And so he comes back around to it. He could point it out all day. We could say, this is a false teacher. Stay away from that person and stay away from this thing. But at some point, they got to see it. And so we asked them a question to consider. Who is hindering you in your faith? Who is hindering you from believing in and trusting in Jesus Christ alone for your salvation? Who is helping you to move your eyes away from Him to something else that doesn't help you actually run this race harder and faster, or maybe not even harder and faster, just being faithful to look to Christ alone? And so what we're gonna do is we're gonna, we're gonna see there's, there's a couple of things we learn about false teachers here because we want to be able to identify them so that we might know who they are, that we might get rid of them or get rid of them and the hindrances that they are to our faith. And so the first thing we learn is that false teachers, what they do is they hinder obedience to the truth. They hinder obedience to the truth. This is obviously what makes a false teacher a false teacher. They they teach something that's not true. In the case of the Galatians, these false teachers, they were teaching the people that Jesus Christ alone was not enough. And so one of the ways in which we, we can identify false teachers is that false teachers and false teachings will lead us away from Jesus Christ. They won't lead us into a greater understanding of who he is. They won't lead us into a greater trust in him alone. Instead, what they do is they lead us away from him to something else. And a lot of times it looks like it did with the Galatians. Meaning, you can have Jesus. He's a good guy. It's really good that you believe in him. But you can't just believe in him alone. You also need to do this, and then you need to do this. So it's sort of a Jesus plus something. And so it feels good and it sounds good. And a lot of these false teachers and false doctrines, they make their way into the church. And we identified one last week. It's called legalism. We trust in Jesus plus you got to do this to be fully accepted by God. And that's just a lie. Paul's already sort of demolished that thing in the section before this. But he's still going after this self-righteousness. Of the false teachers. And it's something we just need to be aware of. That there's no such thing as a self-righteous person. Saving themselves. We get saved by believing in and trusting in. Jesus Christ alone. And as we work out this salvation. We obey the truth. We pick up our cross and we follow Christ. Not because it saves us. But because he's already saved us. And he's set us free. To love him and to love our neighbors. And that looks like a lot of things, but those things don't save us. And it's really important that we understand this because if somebody teaches us, and I would say a lot of times it's not just it's not just an easy, hey, you have to do this, this, and this to be saved. It's a, yeah, we trust in Jesus. And then it's sort of implied by people that you then have to do this to really be accepted. Does that make sense? It's more subtle. This is why I've been hammering parents And by that, I don't just mean you, I mean me. Because a lot of times I think we as parents, we just do this. We bring self-righteousness into our parenting. We bring legalism into our parenting. Because, And sometimes we just grow frustrated in our sin. We lack patience for God to work in our kids' lives. And so we decide to kind of pick up obedience. And we make that the most important thing. Instead of trusting in Jesus Christ alone. And so if God's not going to save my kid today, well, I'm going to make my kid do this. I'm going to make him understand he's got to do this in order for him to be really loved by me and God. And we don't say it like that. It's just sort of implied and felt. And so we want to be careful. We want to be careful that we as parents, we as leaders, we as friends, with people around us, that, that, that we're not hindering people from obedience to the truth, because that's what false teachers do. They don't lead people to trust in Jesus. They typically lead people to trust in them or to trust in something else other than Christ. The second thing we learn about false teachers is that they're not from God. Paul says the, this persuasion is not from him who calls you. So anyone who teaches something different than what God teaches us through his word is not from him. This is why I would say one of the most important means of grace that we have in identifying false teachers, false doctrine, is the Bible. Very, very important gift that God has given to us, where he reveals himself to us. He shows us who he is, and he reveals Christ to us in very specific ways. And then he he highlights for us and he reveals for us who we are and what he's called us to do. And so we use this to sort of measure false teaching. We check what people share on social media and podcasts and Christian books By using God's word as the truth to help us understand, is this from God or is it not? And I say it takes work sometimes, doesn't it? It takes a little bit of work, but this is a gift that God has given to us. And so we learn that false teachers, they're not really using this in the way it's meant to be used. They twist it to lead us away. And so I would say as, as believers... We should treasure this gift. We should be men and women who who have a life in this word. Not because it saves us. It does not save us. It shows us how we get saved. It shows us how we become obedient to the truth. Not again to save us, but because it's the fruit of what Christ has done for us. It guides us and it leads us. But false teachers do not use this. The third thing we learn is that false teachers and false teaching contaminate us and others. This is a big one. Paul said it this way A little leaven leavens the whole lump. Leaven is a substance, like yeast, used to produce this fermentation in the dough. It's the main ingredient that causes bread to rise, and I'm not a baker. But the Lord uses this as an illustration, just saying a small amount of it will make the whole loaf and bread rise quickly. We could say it like this. A little legalism, instead of leaven, a little legalism will negatively affect the whole person, family, and church. A little bit of legalism in your home will affect the culture in your home. A little bit of legalism in the church will end up creating a legalistic church. Or we could say it like this. A little hidden sin will negatively affect the whole person, the whole family, and the whole church. The danger with this is we like to think we can get away with it. We like to think we can hide just a little bit of sin, but we can't. It just it shows up somewhere in some way. It builds off of it. If, if, it, if allowed to be hidden, it just grows. And the way in which it grows is, is you hide it and then it shows up with a little white lie here because you're, you're trying to hide it. And then another white lie over here. And then you spend your life sort of having to cover your tracks, carrying around a burden. And eventually, if left to go, it just consumes you. And then your whole life sort of becomes a lie. Or we could say this, a little false teaching will negatively affect the whole person, family, and church. Remember, Paul has likened our faith in Jesus and following Jesus to a race. It's meant to be run hard. And it's meant to be run free as we pick up a cross and follow Jesus. What happens to us when we start to buy into false teaching and or hide sin in our lives is that the race of faith becomes harder to run. Because in many ways, we lose our freedom in Christ by running in the wrong direction. False teaching and hidden sin is like strapping this hundred pound backpack to our backs. And trying to run a marathon without drinking any water. Now I know a few of you probably could do that. Now, I'm going to question whether you could actually run the whole thing with a 100-pound weight on your back and not drinking any water. But the point is, it's not going to help us. It's not going to help us at all. You might start out with a run, but eventually it becomes a jog, and quickly it becomes a DNF. And that's what false teaching and hidden sin does to it. It's an unnecessary weight that straps us down. False teaching and hidden sin undermine our ability to trust in Christ alone. Hebrews chapter 12, the author writes the following about hidden sin. He said, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight And sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Anything that hinders our faith in Christ. Alone. Must be laid aside. Must be laid aside. Hidden sin must be exposed. And it's not it's not to expose it for the sake of exposing it to humiliate anyone because that's not how grace works. That's why my, my prayer for us as a church is that we would be a church that is merciful and gracious. Because our God is merciful and gracious. That we would have a culture in our homes and in this church that when somebody confesses a sin. We celebrate the grace of God in their life. Because what's happening is they're being obedient to Hebrews chapter 12. They're throwing off this weight that's hindering them from running with endurance. Doesn't mean there's not consequences for sin. Because are. But when somebody confesses. When your kids come to you and they confess a sin. Celebrate God's grace. Help them work through the consequences. Do not shame them. And by that I just point to the cross. The Lord died for enemies. He died knowing our past sins, our present sins, and our future sin. But the way in way the enemy works and the way in which our sin works is we want to hide those things because we're afraid that people will actually maybe not like us if they know who we are. The thoughts that we really have at times. And that's just a lie. See, we already know the truth. No temptation will seize you except what? What's common to man. So that means sin is a real problem for you. It's a real problem for me. We all wrestle with it to some degree. And so we take sin serious. And I'd say one of the ways we take sin seriously is we bring it into the light. We confess it. And we repent of it. We get rid of it because it hinders us from running well. So I would urge you. I know I know what it's like to want to hide sin. I know the fight to expose it. And you just think, I don't have to do this. It's not big of deal. And I just say, okay, if it's not a big of deal, then just bring it into the light. There's freedom when it's brought into the light. There's forgiveness that's being reminded of and encouraged when it's brought into the light. But when you hide it, it's a burden and it starts to eat away at a lot of things. A lot of things. And so we identify it, we confess it, and we get rid of it. We repent of it. If a little bit allowed, is allowed to remain, it, it will affect all of our lives. And so let me ask this question. What do you need to lay aside this morning? It's not just hidden sin. There's other things that hinder us. And so I, I brought up false teaching, and I sort of alluded to social media and I'm not here to bash social media, but, but I would say that social platforms are like friends. Not real friends, but like friends. They, 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 they put out a message. They're teaching us something. We read through it. We scroll through it. It teaches us something. In the same way podcasts. They teach us something. You can't speak to them, but they speak to us. And so we all have friends out there like that. Authors we read, books we read, social media, that kind of stuff. And I guess what I'm trying to get at here is is just having enough social or self-awareness to understand how does this affect me? How does me getting on the internet or me getting on this social platform or listening to this guy speak every day to me for two hours or listening to these books, how does that affect my faith? Does it free me? Does it, does it lead me to trust in Christ more? Or does it lead me away from him? And it's real easy to be led away. And so I would say I'm guilty of this. I remember several years ago sitting with a pastor friend and we were just talking about books and things I'm reading. And I was sharing with him all the books that I was reading and saying, this one I'm reading, that one I'm reading. And a lot of them were just these leadership books. I got really hooked on them for a season. I just read one after another. And, they, and eventually they all start saying the same thing. But my pastor friend would also say, well, then what are you reading to feed your soul? And I kind of gave him a list of things. But I was really more passionate about these leadership books. And they were kind of self-help books. And he just sort of corrected me. He said, you've got to be careful you got to be careful what's affecting your heart, what's, what's feeding your soul. Again, they're not necessarily bad things. They just have to find their right place. And we make those things the most important thing. What they end up doing, what they were doing in my life, was beginning to steal my passion. My passion for Christ and the things that he's called me to. My, my passion to, to pick up a cross and follow him and run this race. And so I just present that to you to, to ask, what in your life do you maybe need to lay aside? And maybe it's a season. I still read some of those books. I just don't read them as ferociously. They have a place, but not the ultimate place. Todd Wilson said this. He said, a little bad influence can do great damage to the ability to run the race. We need to put some distance between us and that person. We need to have a blunt conversation with him or her. We may even need to part ways to avoid being weighed down any further by that person's influence. And so he's just getting after that phrase, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. And so I'd say, a bad friend influences you more than you think. I tell my kids this, and I've shared this before, as they're growing up and they're thinking about their friend's choice, I would say, no friends are better than bad friends. And I think that's biblical. You hang out with a wise person, you become what? You hang out with fools, you're probably going to become what? So that's where I land. A, A bad friend or no friends are better than bad friends. Because a little leaven leavens the whole lump. And so where we see these bad influences that lead us away from Christ, the call here is to get rid of it. Part ways. Put a little distance between yourself and whatever that might be. Fourthly, we learn that false teachers will be judged by God. Paul says, I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view and the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty whoever he is. And he's just this, I have confidence in the grace of God that though these false teachers exist, they will be judged for their false teaching. Leads us to our second point. Running the race of faith well doesn't mean that it's going to be easy for us. Paul writes, but if I, brothers, still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. And so he's saying we're called to run this race. It's not going to be an easy race. If you pick up your cross and you look to Christ and you're seeking to faithfully follow him and put your hope in him alone, it doesn't mean that this race is all downhill. He himself is experiencing persecution because he's preaching the cross. He's preaching freedom through faith alone in Jesus Christ alone. Now, if he wanted to be free of this persecution, he's alluding to the fact that all he's got to do is stop preaching Jesus. Join in with the world around him, and then the world around him would love him, and life would be easy. And so I want to encourage us as a church, we are called to run this race, looking to Jesus Christ, who is our Savior, who lived in our place, died on a cross for all of our sins, purchased our freedom to pick up a cross and follow him. And this race, at times, is grueling. At times, you need to rest. You need to to trust in Christ and and, and just rest in Him alone. And, and at times, He calls us to put one foot in front of the next and just work hard and serve and be generous and, and do all these things. But as we rest and as we do, the call here is we always keep our eyes on Christ. We started by looking to Christ. We continue by looking to Christ. And we will finish By looking to Christ. We're saved by grace alone. Through faith alone. In Jesus Christ alone. We pick up a cross. And we follow Christ. And we're obedient to the truth. By grace alone. And faith alone in Jesus Christ. So church. Keep running. Keep running. Spur one another on. Encourage the heck out of one another. Remind one another. Of who Jesus is. And what he's done for us. So that we might finish well. Let's pray. Heavenly Father we thank you for your word. And we just ask that you would sow it into our hearts again. Help us to be encouragers in the faith. Help us to look to Christ. And to get rid of the things that hinder us. From following you. Lord we love you and we thank you. For being our good and gracious God. And Lord, as we leave here today, would you pour out your spirit upon us and bless us? Would you bless the dads, Lord, as they celebrate uh, the gifts that you've given to them and their kids? Lord, would you surprise and delight them today? And may you be honored in all that we say and do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much.